Hello and welcome. I'm Megan Crabtree and one of my favorite times of the day is when I'm getting ready and can throw on a true crime case without distraction. Every week we dive into a new case while you grab your makeup, sip your coffee, and get ready with murder. It's May 2004 and a homeless and defeated 30-year-old April Beth Pitzer is in the Mojave Desert wandering down Old Route 66 in Newbury Springs, California. Now, just four years prior, April was living an amazing life in Fort Worth, Texas. April was gorgeous, you guys. She had brown hair and hazel eyes and she was an aspiring model. She truly looked like someone who would be a model. Like she was just gorgeous. And she was married to her husband, Chase Pitzer, and living in this beautiful home. And at the time, April was pregnant with their first daughter. And there was just so much to be excited for about the start of their new family. They were living a life that looked perfect on the outside looking in. One day, though, the DEA showed up to her home in Fort Worth, Texas, and told April that she was going to be accompanying him back to Arkansas, where she was originally from, to be a federal witness. Now, you see, when April was 22, she made the horrible mistake of driving under the influence, and she received a DUI. She made an agreement with law enforcement to become a drug informant at the time instead of facing DUI charges. Six years after the fact, she was called upon to testify in a massive case revolving around major players in a methamphetamine drug ring where she was from. April's testimony put multiple people behind bars. After this case and her testimony, which put all of these major drug dealers in jail, April's life was changed forever. She was never able to bring down this constant level of anxiety of like looking over her shoulder anywhere and everywhere that she went because she was paranoid that any of these people were going to be sending somebody after her to kill her for putting them in prison. Now, fast forward and April gives birth to her second daughter and the joy of this new baby, it just, you know, resolves kind of some of April's fears and tension for a little while, but it didn't take much time for her paranoia to grow and set back in. Her stress and fear over this constant unknown in her daily life transferred to her girls and the fear that somebody was going to break into her home and hurt her babies. The paranoia that she was experiencing started to take this massive toll on not only April, but also her marriage. In an effort to self-medicate and like ease this daily anxiety, April started to do drugs and drink alcohol. And naturally, over time, April and Chase really started to just grow distant over April's constant stress and substance abuse. And April, she had had all she could take mentally, and she ends up having a mental breakdown at this point. And during this time, she is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Through this diagnosis and the initial constant switching of medications to find the best one to treat her, April continued to lose touch with her daily life. She started to lose a lot of weight and her marriage finally ended at this time. April took both of her girls and moved into an apartment where she also took a job at this like local gas station. And this was really 
hard on April. She went from being a stay-at-home mom to having to have a full-time job to financially support her girls. And the transition of All of this was rough on both April and her daughters. Now, one day, April went back to the home that she shared with her now ex-husband to just like gather some more of her stuff. And it's not totally clear what happened here, but her in-laws ended up gaining full custody of her children due to her bipolar disorder and what her in-laws described as just April needing a break. So as you can imagine, her mental state was not in a good place to begin with between her constant paranoia from the fear of someone coming after her and her bipolar disorder. But now her girls had been taken from her. Without them consistently in her care, April started to socialize with a not-so-great crowd. April starts to date this truck driver named John Lopez, and this guy seemed to just, you know, pay attention to April in a way that she really was longing for in those moments. She desperately needed someone to love her and be there for her in a time that she felt so isolated and alone. So a few months after they had met and started to date in December of 2003, well, John John was making plans to leave Texas and actually head back west. And he asks April to join him and go to California with him. He presents this to her as like, come with me and kind of gain a different perspective on the world and get away from all of the mess that you have here in Texas. And April decided that she was going to go with him. She was obviously not in the best mindset. And her thinking regarding this decision was basically that like distance makes the heart grow fonder. And if she put distance between her and Chase and her in-laws that they would realize how much they loved and needed April in their lives and needed her to come back and care for her children. So anyway, April and John end up in the Mojave Desert and April is looking forward to this time as just like a temporary trip to clear her head and get some insight. Well, she wasn't there for long before she realized that there really wasn't any kind of opportunity out there for her unless she was a local. They're just was not a ton of options for work. Now keep in mind that in this area, the desert was a massive opportunity for criminal activity. The desert just goes on and on, and there is so much space that you can get in trouble when you don't really have a lot of work options to keep your time occupied, you know? So drugs and criminal activity were a huge issue in this area. Now, John, being from this area, warns April, like, hey, this like area over here, it's not safe. If you go over here, it's fine, but don't go there and don't go here, you know? But of course, this only draws April's attention and she ends up being drawn to the crowds that John has warned her about. So a month or so passes and it's now January of 2004 and April is at a party in the desert. She ends up meeting this guy and he's like, yep, I have all of these trailer homes out on all of this property and you can come and live with me, which is just wild, but again, April is not in the best headspace, right? So she decides, yep, I'm going to go live with this basically total stranger. And obviously the relationship that she has with John just goes to crap. John warns her too. He is again like, this is not a good idea. You are only going to get yourself in trouble associating with those kind of people. But April decides that she's going to do what she wants to do. And she moves in with this guy to a home that literally does not even have electricity, which 
is a total 180 from where her life used to be when she was in Texas with her ex-husband. So April is living with this guy for like three months or so before they break up and shocker, I know, she has nowhere to go. She doesn't have a job, doesn't have any money and her day-to-day life was constantly changing. She never knew where she would be sleeping or if she would have food to eat and her mom back home, her mom had no idea that this was going on as April had been lying to her basically from the jump saying that she had a job, things were fine when in reality, April was homeless. So she's now homeless out in this desert and what feels like a lifetime away from her daughters. April is desperate and is kind of like aimlessly wandering down Route 66. And this man, he spots her and he notices that she just really looks like she's in distress, you know? And when he pulls over and asks if she's okay, she basically just starts bawling and explains how much her life is in shambles. And he was like, okay, I'm going to take you to my mom. Like he has pity on her and he asks her to come with him. And so April goes with this man. And I know what you're thinking. Like when I first read this, I was like, oh no, no, no girl. Like you are about to be sliced and diced, but no, that's actually not what happens here. So when April gets to his home, she meets his mom, Barbara, who was sick and she was elderly and her and April like instantly hit it off and became friends. They're both incredibly lonely and they're both just, you know, seeking friendship out. So April actually starts to take care of Barbara and it really reminds April of the life that she left behind caring for her girls. She missed her daughters and she was just in this desperate state. So Barbara tells April, like, you have to stop lying to your mom that everything is okay out here and you need to call her and you need to talk to her. So April finally calls her mom and just unloads everything about this alternative life that she had been living. She explained to her mom that she was just so ashamed of this lifestyle and she didn't want her mom to be disappointed in her, but that she wanted to come home. So at this point, it's June 2004 and April's mom, Gloria Denton, immediately starts to set in motion everything that she needed to do in order to get her daughter back home to her hometown in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now it's weird because April's mom is like, come home, I've got you, but It's as if April suddenly has cold feet. She just wouldn't take that next step to go home to her mom. So during the day, April was staying with Barbara and caring for her, but at night she was relying on friends for a place to sleep. She had basically been staying with a friend named Steve that was on that same property that she had been living on with her like fleeing ex-boyfriend dude. Now, Steve tells the story that April told him like, hey, thanks for letting me stay here, but I'm going to return home now to my girls. Where Gloria, April's mom, says that she didn't stop staying with Steve because she was ready to go home, but she stopped staying with Steve because she was scared. Now you see, it's June 22nd, 2004 now, and April calls her mom and explains that she met this girl out in the desert that tells her like, wait a dang minute. I know who you are. You're that girl that testified against my husband as a federal informant, and now he's in prison because of you. Now, when April realizes that her past has caught up with her and basically 
all of that paranoia that she has ever had regarding this situation is coming true, well, she naturally starts to freak out. The problem is that she's telling the story to all of her friends that she was this drug informant and her friends, you guys, are all druggies. So this was just so wild. And it was so crazy that she meets this woman on the other side of the country from where she testified and ended up in this circle of people where they recognized who she was and what she did. Guys, she was hanging around people that knew the drug addicts and drug dealers that she had put in prison. This is like crazy and so unsafe for her. All of that paranoia was like so valid, you know? So when April's mom hears about what's going on, she starts to freak out, right? I mean, she tells April, girl, I am wiring you money for a bus ticket and you are coming home now or someone's going to kill you. So Gloria was moving at the time. And for some reason, April tells her like, let's wait until you are totally moved and I will be able to help you unpack. So Gloria agrees to this, but she tells April that you have to to go somewhere safe in the meantime because it was only going to be like a week or two. So Gloria asks April like, hey, is there anyone that you know that you trust and you could stay with while we wait to get you home? And April tells Gloria about Uncle Chuck. So Uncle Chuck was this guy that was like pretty well known for taking in people that were down on their luck and helping them out. Steve takes April out to Chuck's house to stay for a few days before she leaves. Like I said, it was only going to be like a week or two before she ended up going back to her mom. Now, it's been about a week since April and Gloria have made this plan and spoken about it. And she's been staying at Chuck's and Gloria is trying to get a hold of April, but she's nowhere to be found. So Gloria has Chuck's number, right? And she's calling this dude on repeat, but the phone is just ringing and ringing and this guy never picks up. So then on July 4th, old girl Barbara, April's friend, well, she had been in the hospital and the first thing that she did when she got out was call Gloria because she couldn't get a hold of April and she wanted to check on her. Barbara thought that April was home with Gloria because she hadn't seen or heard from her. So when Gloria hears this, obviously her worst fears have come to light because something has happened to April. Like if Barbara doesn't know where she is, there's something really bad going on. So Gloria was like, okay, so who was the last person that you actually saw April with? And Barbara confirmed that the last time that she had any communication with April was when Chuck brought her out to the house to pick up a few things. So apparently Chuck had taken her around to see her friends and like say goodbye as she was going to go home to live with her mom. So after figuring this information out, they're able to determine that it had been about eight days since someone had seen April. Gloria now tries to go and file a missing persons report, but they wouldn't let her report her missing. They literally told her that She's not missing. She just doesn't want to be found. I know. But Gloria knew better. 
And April wouldn't just go missing and not let her mom know where she was. Even when she was in the pits of homelessness and lying about her livelihood, her mom still knew where she was. They had an amazing relationship and they were truly best friends. There was no way that she just disappeared on her mother. So days continue to go on and it's now July 16th and there is still zero sign of April. So Gloria calls Barbara and convinces her to go and file a missing persons report since she was in the same town as April and the police do take the report from Barbara. Thank God. Well, not long after that, on July 20th, Gloria suddenly gets a call from who? Chuck Hollister. Yeah, I bet you weren't expecting that. So Chuck is all, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I haven't been in touch with you. I've been moving this friend of mine to Oregon. And Gloria is basically like, cut the crap, dude, where's April? So Chuck says that that Monday morning, he went to go to work and April was home when he got up. And then when he left to go to work, but when he got home, April was gone. He just assumed that somebody picked her up and took her to the bus stop and that she made her way home. And then, you know, he goes on to explain what April's mental state was like in the day leading up to the last time he saw her. And he says that April had pictures of her daughters out on the counter and she was crying and holding their pictures close to her heart and saying, I'm going home, I'm going home. But Then he goes on to tell Gloria that all of April's belongings are still in his house. All of her bags, everything, all of the stuff like she went to collect from her friend's houses that she was staying at, it was all still at Chuck's house because that makes a whole lot of sense. So now a month passes and investigators start placing missing persons posters around the city and shockingly, It works, you guys. So September 9th, 2004, a city transportation employee comes forward and alerts police about a comment that he had heard from a bus rider. This person mentioned that she knew April and made this comment that she knew where April was at, that she was lying in a hole dead. So police end up tracking down this witness and she tells police that she had heard this at a party and that someone at this party, she just couldn't remember who, told her that April was down a mine shaft and police finally have a lead. But here's the thing. There are over 20,000 mine shafts in the county that she was living in alone. This was not going to be an easy search for April. So the Mojave Desert is massive. If somebody wants to get rid of a body out in the desert, the likelihood of them being found is so small. But here's the thing. It's not just this witness's testimony that leads investigators to believe that April had been murdered, but they had also received another tip from a truck stop about 800 miles away in another state where there was a note written on a bathroom wall that read, quote, looking for missing girl in Arkansas, three miles east of Barstow I-15 freeway unquote. Like, say what? So a ground search begins around this Barstow, California area. And meanwhile, they're also able to get the CCTV from the truck stop that gathered constant footage of people who went into and out of this bathroom where they saw this note. But unfortunately, the searches and the videos, they don't help at all. And there is 
no evidence found regarding April. So it's now mid-September and police and Gloria are now tracking down literally anyone that they can think of that could possibly know anything about where April could be. After talking to multiple people, the same mine name keeps coming up the mines of Ludlow. Apparently, old Chuck has a close friend named Dan Dan that owns a mine out in Ludlow called the Red Dog Mine. This mine was located 30 miles east of Barstow, which just so happened to be the location that was mentioned in the truck stop bathroom. So Dan Dan is a little odd, Apparently, there are all these like shacks out in this area and Dan Dan would go out here and like spray paint his name on all of them, basically trying to like, I don't know, think of like a dog peeing on his area. I feel like that's what he was doing. And he had it in his head that this mine he owned was going to make him rich. And he was also like this hermit and like stayed out there in these shacks all of the time, basically keeping to himself. He was a strange fellow. So Dan Dan had been working in these mines for years, right? Right, to where he had even wrote in one of the mines, like at the bottom of the mine, quote, Dan Dan 1979, marking the year that he had been down there working. So you can imagine he knew these mines well. And he also had this reputation when he was younger working in these mines that he was like a dude you just don't cross. You know what I mean? So there was clearly a connection here, right? The Ludlow Mine tip, plus the fact that Dan Dan was close with Chuck, who was the last person to have contacted or seen April. The police obviously start to investigate this further, and first they attempt to question Dan Dan, but they're not able to find him or get a hold of him for like the longest time until eventually he does speak to the police and he claims like, I don't even know April, like I don't know where she would be. So they go out to Ludlow and they start searching these shacks that Dan Dan was known to frequent and stay in. And inside of these shacks, they find some really weird writing on the walls. Dan Dan has like this weird thing about writing, okay? So they literally find writing on the walls. There was things about him being a sniper in Vietnam, things about what he would do to people if they trespassed on his property. And the eeriest messages by far were ones that read, quote, three people can keep a secret if two are dead, unquote. And that's giving so much Pretty Little Liars vibes. Like, Dan Dan, were you like a Pretty Little Liars fan? And then also, quote, if you want to disappear, I can help you. Unquote. It's now December 22nd, and they have enough evidence to search the Red Dog Mine that Dan Dan owns. So the Barstow Search and Rescue Team go out there, and they search this mine from top to bottom. And then after two days with cadaver dogs down there, they're confident that April was not down there and that she was likely never down there. And again, the search for April comes to a standstill until January of 2005, when a woman recognizes April from one of these missing persons posters and realizes that this is the same woman she had hired to work for her in June of 2004, right at the time that she was staying with Chuck before she planned to move home with Gloria. Andre Pruitt was the owner of this like little cafe and April had come in and asked for a job and 
she was like, well, you know, we're not super busy, but I guess I can give you a few days a week. So the next day, April comes back to work for Andre and she remembers how nice she looked. Like her hair was done up and she was wearing a skirt and she remembers how sweet and nice she was to the customers. And then on the second day of her job, Andre could tell that something was off from the day before. She says that it looked like April had been beaten and hit like in her eye and it was blue. And Andre knew that April was upset and says that she looked confused and scared that day. And that was the last day that Andre saw her. She never came back to the job, which leads investigators to wonder if this was the exact day that April went missing. So at this point, the county coroner takes some of these tips and rumors and contacts this lore historian for more help because this person knew the desert really well. And basically a year and a half after April goes missing, there is a break in the case in December of 2005. So while leading a tour group, this historian that had been called stumbled upon some evidence. Apparently he went into one of those old abandoned shacks out there in the desert and he found some women's clothing. He stops the tour and notifies the coroner. And apparently there was also like this mattress out there with blood all over it. So Gloria hops on a plane to head to the desert and eventually she wants to get there and hopefully identify these clothes as belonging to April. This is the first time that Gloria is out here and the reality of it all just hits her and is so heartbreaking. So Gloria goes with them to search where the clothes had been found and when she gets there, Gloria starts to search around and she sees, you know, if she can find any signs of her daughter. And it doesn't take long for her to spot and identify this red and black flannel shirt that she herself had sent to her daughter. You see, the night that April had called her mom asking for help before she went missing and had admitted to her mom that she was homeless, she told her mom that it was cold out in the desert and asked if she could send her something like a flannel. And so Gloria had sent her a care package full of clothes. And that red flannel was one of the articles of clothing in the box. Even though Red Dog Mine had been thoroughly searched a year prior, Gloria is out here now, right? And she asks the coroner if she can go and look herself. Now this is wild to me, but the first thing that Gloria spots when she gets out to this mine is this white suitcase that Barbara had actually given April straight up just chilling out there by this mine. And what is even crazier here, you guys, is that this is the same suitcase that Chuck had told Gloria was still inside of his home. Because if you remember, he told her that April had left all of her luggage behind. Now, police tell Gloria that this suitcase was not there when they had originally searched the mine. But now, a year later, April's clothes are all out here scattered. So how and why did all of April's clothes get from Chuck's house out here to this area? Well, now at this point, Chuck is super sick with cancer, right? So detectives are kind of racing the clock to go and interrogate him one more time. They asked him if he had done this to April and if he basically wanted to make a deathbed confession and he denied any involvement. Unfortunately, the clothing that they found wouldn't provide any kind of forensic evidence due to the harsh elements of the desert. And Chuck 
He passes away not very long after this encounter. Obviously, in April's case, there had been an insane amount of rumors just kind of floating around the area and around the people that April had associated with. In 2009, when Gloria had gone back out to California for another search, she hears that Dan Dan, y'all remember Dan Dan, right? Well, he's sick in the ICU. So Gloria immediately goes to see him as a last ditch effort to get some information. And she confronts this guy and they talk for over an hour and he's really kind to her. And Gloria suddenly feels as if like the feelings she's had all of this year as him being involved in April's disappearance have been wrong. And Dan then takes her hand and he tells her that April was a sweetheart and that whoever killed her needs to be brought to justice. Days later, before he dies, while Dan Dan goes on to confess to friends that he does know more about April's disappearance, he said that, quote, that girl April Pitzer, her mom is in the right place. She's just not been far enough. Unquote. Investigators believe that he was referring to his mine. In April of 2010, a team of volunteer mine enthusiasts, which I did not even know that was a thing, go into Dan Dan's mine to search again for April. They're apparently like mine lovers to this extreme, and they have these crazy capabilities of repelling over 3,000 feet. So basically, if there was any chance that April was in there, like Dan Dan was kind of like saying to his friends, they were going to find her. But once again, they don't find anything new. In the six years at this point since April had gotten missing, there have been dozens of searches that have not added any evidence to her case. Gloria continues to seek justice for her daughter and she wants her to be remembered as she was before, before all of her troubles began in life. She was a wonderful person and Gloria believes she is out there somewhere in the mines in that desert, but she says that she does have peace that April is now with the Lord. Well guys, that's the case for today. I hope you enjoyed getting ready with me today and I hope that you have the best day ever. Stay aware and stay safe out there. Bye.